Hello everyone and welcome back to the Barely Bookish podcast. Today we are going to have a lot to get into so I'm honestly not going to do a huge intro just because there is a lot we have to talk about. So um, we are talking about Kindred once again today so if you did not hear the first episode please go back and listen to the first episode. Um, that way you can keep things in chronological order. Also please make sure you look up the trigger warnings um, if you did not want to listen to the first episode. Uh, just because there is a lot that happens in this book, and I just want to make sure you take care of yourself. I really think this book is worth reading, but make sure you're in a good headspace when you listen to it. I will be joined today again by Candice because uh, we are going to go through this whole thing together and go on this journey together, but she is not going to be in this intro uh, just because I... Basically, uh, these episodes ended up being a little bit longer than I thought they were going to be. So uh, we're breaking it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so they you'll catch them in the body of this episode. But I don't really have a whole lot of announcements. And the announcements I have, I will put in the end so we can get right into the action. So I hope you all enjoy this episode of Kindred. So the next chapter is called The Fire, which this is the moment where I was like, okay, now please stop telling me the chapter titles because it's a little of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Dana is like, okay, I'm going to shower. I'm going to forget everything. But she has to rush her shower. And like yep. that, was, I felt horrible because again, she has no control over the situation. She can't. She doesn't know anything about when it's going to happen. Like, what if she was showering and she got teleported? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's, again, like, I mean, so much metaphor in this. But, like, I think that Dana's, Dana's default setting after that first incident happened was immediately just not feeling safe anywhere. Mm-hmm. And everything might be something it's not. Mm-hmm. And just generally kind of throwing her world into chaos. Mm-hmm. And I think when someone experiences a traumatic event, hypervigilance is expected, mm-hmm. you know, like hypervigilance is expected. You have a rape victim, mm-hmm. a rape survivor, mm-hmm. right? That person is going to be hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. The next time they walk to their car in the middle of the night, they are not going to just be like, tra-la-la, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. They're going to have like a switchblade in their hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're going to, you become hypervigilant. You see danger sometimes, even when you might be moderately safe because you thought you were safe when the bad thing happened to you, yeah. you know? So I feel like that's exactly what happens to Dana. And he's like downplaying her experience instead of being like, oh, no, you don't feel safe anymore. That's such a betrayal of your human existence. Mm -hmm. You know, you deserve to feel safe. That's like a basic human need is to feel safe. You know, like a basic animal need Mm -hmm. is to feel safe. The thing that bothers me, too, is like he at the beginning of right after this happens, He's not like, okay, you want to shower? Let me pack this bag. And the second you feel dizzy again, I'm going to hand this to you. So at Mm -hmm. least you have something. Yeah. That's not his solution at all. It's just like, okay, how about you just go like take a breather? Like what? Yeah. Why don't we go somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So then. (laughs) Let's get out of the house. Yeah. He's like, okay, you don't feel safe. How about I take you out to dinner? And in her head, she's like, what happens if I'm in a moving car? Yep. when this happens where will she be teleported back because we don't yep. know if it's a situation where she gets teleported back to the next available space like D, or yeah. if it's a situation where she gets teleported back 
close to where she had. So she gets, you know, disappears in a car on the freeway. Does she get yep. teleported back into the middle of the freeway? Right. You know, she has no idea. And like, and the same thing goes for where she's going to end up as well. She mm-hmm. doesn't know where she's going to be mm-hmm. the next time that she reappears, right? Like in, in whatever other space mm-hmm. that she occupies so like when she's rushing her shower like that was a very real like that was very visceral for me it's mm-hmm. like she's rushing her shower because she's like if i vanish while i'm in the shower mm-hmm. that means i'm gonna be naked yeah. wherever it is i end up like that's yeah. horrifying i don't know if i could ever bathe safely again like i don't think so i honestly would become a wet white person like that's yep. all I, I i don't think i would be able to become that vulnerable like yeah i couldn't sleep like what if you Agreed. get teleported in your sleep? That's yeah. horrifying. Like this is the yep. stuff of nightmares for me. Yeah. I think that's part of what I loved about this book too is that like time time travel there's tons of tons of books about time travel, mm-hmm. right? Tons of sci-fi out there about time travel. Um but but all of them kind of give this like, you know, it's usually it's usually time travel when someone agrees to time travel. Mm-hmm. They have control over it, right? And even if they don't have control over it, they usually are at least traveling to somewhere that they can manage Mm -hmm. you know a life there Mm -hmm. right so like an outlander like she's you know claire gets transported to the past Mm -hmm. to scotland Mm -hmm. and when she's there you know it's not easy for her like she you know is at the time considered a modern woman in her day and age or whatever Mm -hmm. and women had obviously made great strides and advancements so she has to kind of learn how to exist in that universe but when you've got somebody who already has to learn how to live in the world that they're actually a part of Mm -hmm. And then get transferred back to God knows when. Like that's a whole other, you know what I mean? She's yeah. like, I know this, mm-hmm. this 1976 Maryland where I'm at. Like I know this mm-hmm. or California rather. I know, I know California in 1976. I know that. I know mm-hmm. what to do. It's liberal here. It's safe. Even when it's bad, it's not terrible. Like I get that. I can get my head around it. Every day is fine. But like now you're adding this other layer of. So you're barely fine IRL and now you've got to go to this like random place that you don't know anything about and mm-hmm. good luck. I also good like, luck to you. thought this was kind of like a bit of a metaphor for like code switching too, where I've mm-hmm. heard people talk about how like, you know, you like, what, what is it? Who's that? Oh, geez. The Senator or Cory Booker. No, the woman that was, is she a Senator? She's not a Senator. She's Cory Bush. No, it's AOC. AOC is got it. Yeah, and how she, Congresswoman, Congresswoman, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, how she was code switching and was like, you know, when she's around like people of her own race and her own background, she talks differently. Yeah, and people definitely. were saying how she was like fake and blah blah. blah. And I know, and it's like no, there's mm-hmm. that's how I kind of learned about this is like mm-hmm. me educating myself after that. But I think that you know she. Dana knows how to switch and to survive in her own world. This right. is something where she doesn't know how to play. And like, I don't know. That was just something I was thinking about. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think that that's so code switching is a relatively new term, mm-hmm. but it's not a new idea. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, when I was growing up, I remember my mom going to like, I lived in a mostly white area mm-hmm. uh, growing up as a kid. And I remember going into like the city with my mom so she could find places that would do her hair because like there were only you know salons that did straight hair Mm -hmm. where we lived in Pennsylvania so we had to go into like Trenton or Philadelphia or up to New York Mm -hmm. to find natural hair salons for people with you know curly or kinky hair Mm -hmm. so I remember you know the first time I I recognized code switching because obviously I sound like this I don't really sound like anything really 
Um, I definitely sound like I'm from the North, but mm-hmm. I'm, I don't really have like a, an accent, so to speak or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, for me, I'd always kind of just heard my mom and didn't really pay attention to what she sounded like. She was just my mom. You know, yeah. I was little and I didn't think about it. But I remember the first time I went to like a black beauty salon mm-hmm. and I heard my mom speak to those ladies and I was like, what? <laughs> what are you? What? What is this? Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever watch Big Mouth, the episode where Missy learns about code switching, like 100% my life, where you're like, you're around your black cousins mm-hmm. that like live in the hood or whatever. And they're like, why do you talk like that? Yeah. Like, like what? what do you mean? And they're like, you're so corny. <laughs> so I think, um, I think I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it is a metaphor for code switching, like what she understands and what she knows and her reality. She's able to move between both of those worlds mm-hmm. with ease, but this is like a whole new realm. Yeah. And who knows what, what, what to do then? Like I, it takes her a while to even realize where she is. Yeah. That was the and hard it takes part her, for me. It takes her like two more trips, right? Or one well, more trip. This, I can't like remember. this upcoming trip she yeah. learns. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that's hard. Difficult. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, after Dana's like, listen, we're not doing, I'm not going somewhere to go get dinner. Kevin finally caves and gets takeout. And the fact that he had to, she had to make him cave to get takeout. Yeah, he's the worst, man. I don't like him. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> he's so terrible. Especially because he thinks he's being really sweet. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's like really the kicker for me is that he thinks he's being like really nice going out and getting her takeout. Like that isn't just a normal human thing to do for someone. He's doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, where's my gold star? I know. <laughs> like, okay. So again, this, a, a lot of this, it makes me think about my own relationship and like, I reflect on the world around me a lot when I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how, this is literally the least Kevin could do. And like when I, so I sprained my ankle um, and I was like laid up in bed and I couldn't walk around at all. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a really bad sprain. Of course he didn't go to a doctor because why would I, I can't afford that. Um, yeah. But like Daniel went out of his way to get me lunch and like get coffee and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about how that was just like a really nice thing he did. And Dana has to like pull tooth and nail to get Kevin to do a single thing. Like their relationship is so bad. Yeah, it is. It's super toxic. But then you have to ask yourself like what, how much does she put up with? Mm -hmm. Because again, when this book is written, right? Like this book, you know, when it, when it's written, like this is not too far off from the setting of the book, right? Mm -hmm. It was when, when the book was written. So when people were originally reading it, it's not like it was, you know, forever ago Mm -hmm. like it is for us right 1976 for us is like almost 50 years ago yeah so when you when you think about it that way you're like i imagine that the critique that we're doing and the reading of of the book that we're doing is very different than what someone might have said in say 1985 Mm -hmm. you know what i mean when you know like standards were completely different Mm -hmm. than they even are now you know what i mean so i feel like every year that passes like this book kind of takes on like a different life Mm -hmm. because you know the the way that we exist as women is very different than the way that she exists as a woman the way that mm-hmm. my relationship is you know with my white partner or your relationship is you know with your biracial partner it is very different mm-hmm. like your expectations are different his expectations are different you guys aren't coming at this from a people think this is taboo we shouldn't kind of place mm-hmm. are there people who think it's taboo still yes they're dumb you're not really thinking about that when you're when you're out with your partner other people mm-hmm. make you realize that you know what yeah. i mean There's, there are things that happen to you that make you go oh 
right. Yeah. You know? But it's not like second nature. For this lady, everywhere she goes, it's already like, uh-oh, mm-hmm. that she's got a, a white partner. Mm-hmm. Like it's already like she's already dealing with this like this extra thing, this extra quality to her life. Mm-hmm. And the idea that like he doesn't it it almost feels like he wants to pretend that it's not an issue, mm-hmm. even though she obviously knows that it is. And like so even before she disappeared, he was questioning her reality. I hate Kevin. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I can't even, like, drill that in enough. Yeah. Is I love that, like, we're both on the same wavelength. And then, like, there's neither of us are like, oh, but Kevin's not really that bad. Like, this man is a walking mm-hmm. red flag. He's terrible. He is, especially because he's not outright terrible. Mm-hmm. Again, I love outright terrible. If you're terrible, please. Do your worst. Mm-hmm. Show me how awful you are so that I can go, oh, well. <laughs> now everyone else Excuse sees Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Let me sidestep this horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saving me a bullet. But like when they turn out terrible mm-hmm. or when an, when an experience ends up being terrible, mm-hmm. it's like, ugh, like you question everything about your life choices. And I feel like that's the direction that Dana is going in because mm-hmm. the more that she experiences, the more opportunity she has to judge him and his behavior. Mm-hmm. and that's brutal yeah. <laughs> yep I hope yeah. they get divorced by the end of this week I don't think Me they're going to too. but I hope so <laughs> so while they're eating takeout she disappears again and like all I could think was thank god she was not like I hate main characters that like don't have common sense you know mm-hmm. like yeah. if Kevin was our main character I would have lost my mind by now oh yeah definitely but I'm glad she was not like, oh, this terrible experience just happened to me. Let me go get in a car and try and forget about the whole thing. She was like at home in a safe-ish environment when this happens. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just can't imagine eating Chinese food and then being teleported. Yeah. Does the Chinese food come with her? That doesn't I imagine matter. If she, I imagine if she had been holding it, it would have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least yep. you get to finish your takeout going through trauma. I don't know. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Especially not knowing what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like that's that that that's the part that like because you know, obviously what 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 Butler is saying is like just as important as what she's not saying. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the caution that this woman has for her situation. Mm-hmm. But like what she's not talking about is like and, th- and this is something that I fill in the blanks of because like I'm thinking to myself, like, what if this happened to me? Mm-hmm. Every single thing you do now takes on a different meaning. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing that you do is like a risk mm-hmm. you know what i mean going to the bathroom risk like wearing basic pants. stuff yeah basic stuff like that you know she has no way of measuring how you know acceptable this is going to be wherever she goes like oh the thing that terrifies me too is i kept thinking about if this was happening today she would have her phone on her yeah like yep not even thinking we all keep our phone in our pocket like yeah. What would have happened if she went back in time and had a cell phone on her? Oh, she would have been a sorceress. Yeah. And probably burned immediately. Like, I don't think she would have even lasted. Yeah. Or like... As many chapters. (laughs) Would they have thought it was a weapon and she had a weapon? Like, anything could have happened. They could have played that anyway. And that terrifies me. It's something as mundane as having your cell phone on you. Or the fact that she wears pants. And keep in mind, in the 70s, she was probably wearing, like bell bottoms or something i don't know mm-hmm. like some flared big pants yeah imagine she was wearing skinny jeans oh no that would have been it right like 
yeah. or you know leggings or something yeah. like that like that terrifies me is thinking that yep. if she chose to write this book in 2021 or like had it taken place in a different time period like not only with this horrible situation that's already terrible it would have gotten worse and it's right. like worse the more we progress in society the worse that this book could be yeah terrifying absolutely, absolutely. And like, I feel like there's a certain amount of, um, of understanding she has of that. Like mm -hmm. she kind of talks about that. She touches on it. Not, not too deeply, mm -hmm. but she does like kind of mention like, oh God, you know, um, you know, what am I going to do next? And she's trying to figure out like what her, what her next moves are. Mm -hmm. And when she realizes that she's back in like the antebellum South, like when she realizes that she's like pre, pre emancipation proclamation mm -hmm. and she is in a Southern state, like. Like, you can feel her panic. Like, yeah. you can feel her panic. Like, the writing is excellent. Like, you can feel her panic. Mm -hmm. Like, she stops what she's doing, and she, like, loses a couple of minutes mm -hmm. to just standing there and taking that in. Yeah. And I feel like along with her as the reader, we're just like... Yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh, <laughs> no. no. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, it's it's a bad moment. Like, it's a bad yeah. moment. Especially having that come from a child. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. Okay, we're hold on one second before we get into that too much. We're back. She gets teleported. Freaking Rufus lit his house on fire because he was trying to like get back at his dad, which like his dad sucks. It's fair. Yeah. Um. Big time. Totally fine. You know, I get it. Mm -hmm. He needed attention. It's fine. Like mm -hmm. hurt kids act out. It is a thing. Yeah. So. The problem is, is with this time, as soon as he's safe, she didn't get teleported back. And she's right. like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, last time, he's safe. Gun point at her face. She got teleported back. That didn't happen. So she also realizes that Rufus is about three years older mm -hmm. than the last time. And she's like, is this Rufus? Oh, no, it is Rufus. Yep. And then... You know, we also get the little tidbit that Rufus sees into her time. And then, this is the real fear moment, is Rufus called her the N-word with a hard R. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh no. And he calls her that like it's nothing. Yeah. Like it's normal. Yeah. It just rolls right out of his mouth. And she goes, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> she has like a, hold on, one more time, did you, what did you call me? And he repeats it like it's not a problem. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you didn't hear me. One more time then, for the people in the back. And she's like... Yeah okay you can't call me that and he's like i call everybody that that looks like you yeah and she's like yep where are we again like that's her moment like that's mm -hmm. the moment where she breaks she's like i need to ask her question mm -hmm. and for me like in the very first scene when she goes back like obviously you know it, it feels as though like now that she's now that she's disappeared a second time mm -hmm. she starts to kind of put pieces together okay well it seems like when this kid is in trouble mm -hmm. i get transported right and she's like, how do I get back, though? Like, how do I get back? And you see her, like, racking her brain about, like, how she gets back. And then this kid, like, throws that end bomb in there. And she's like, whoa. <laughs> like, and totally, like, blows up her entire spot. And um, for me, like, when I was reading it, I was just like, why aren't you asking yourself the important questions? Like, the first thing I would have done was probably look at these people's clothes and been like, where am I? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just to see, like, what's going on. But then I thought about it and I was like, well, it's not like it's, you know now where people were wearing like vinyl and 
all kinds of like weird cuts and mm-hmm. we got bright colors and all that stuff like in the 70s like you know yeah fashion was wild if you were like in a big city or something mm-hmm. like that but like it's you know i imagine that things weren't clear to her because she was in a panic but mm-hmm. also because like there wasn't that much of a difference you know she saw this man in a jacket and mm-hmm. pants and he had a shotgun and she just kind of accepted that she didn't like think deeper about it mm-hmm. because she was kind of like in this moment where she wasn't sure mm-hmm. and i feel like even even as the reader like after she realizes when and where she is that it's something she also can't unsee mm-hmm. and that we can't unsee you know what i mean everything starts to kind of click after that plus i feel like too is that we a lot of us when we go through something traumatic tend to gaslight ourselves where mm-hmm. i feel like in that moment she was also starting to be like maybe you know i i know it was real but maybe it wasn't you know and so she didn't yeah. think too hard about it because she's like it happened once maybe it'll never happen again maybe it will i'll be hyper vigilant but maybe it won't and so right. i will say though when i saw that on the paper i was like i i paused and i i was like that's a word i've never really had to read you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i saw yeah. it and i was like "Ooh, it's ugly oh no it's, it's very ugly yeah. I was scared in that moment. I was like, "Oh, we are not going to show your coat this at all. This is not going to be no. happy." No, she rips the bandaid off, and I and I actually kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the first inkling that you get that this is going to be a rough ride is when she tries to make the distinction. Um, when Butler tries to make the distinction, like obviously from Dana's point of view, mm-hmm. um, in the prologue, when she like focuses on the police asking how she hurt her arm. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I didn't hurt my arm. My arm is gone. It's not hurt. It's literally gone. It's Mm -hmm. missing. How did you lose your arm? How Mm -hmm. did you misplace your arm? Anything other than hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, hurt doesn't begin to explain this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is way more than hurt. And I feel like that, like, lack of sugarcoating, I feel like that kind of sets the tone Mm -hmm. for the rest of it. You know what I mean? Because, like, like, the wheels come off for this lady. You know, like the first time was like, you know, a couple of seconds that she was that she was gone. She felt like she was gone for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. It actually was a couple of seconds. And this time she's gone for a couple of hours mm-hmm. and it's a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And like it just makes you wonder, like, OK, well, you know. What is that cognitive dissonance that she's experiencing? Like, what must that be like? Mm-hmm. Like, there's such a huge disparity. It's not just you're not in the right place. It's not just you're not in the right time. Mm-hmm. It's also what you're experiencing doesn't even line up with reality. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the worst part too is like when we find out that it's, she's getting teleported to her ancestors. I, there was a moment where I was like, Oh no, I'd be in Slovakia. I can't speak that language. Like my yeah. great grandmother was an immigrant came over during world war two. Like what would I do? Yeah. I, I don't speak Slovakian at all. I don't, I, I just get teleported there and I couldn't communicate. That's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you got teleported there wearing like what you would normally wear, I mean, even, even what you have on right now, yeah. like you got on a tank top and sweatpants, that's not a big deal, right? Yeah. That's not a big deal. But like ancient Slovakia, I imagine people would be like village whore. What are you doing out of yeah. your cabin? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> They'd be like, you're showing off all kinds of skin. Get back in your, you know, your hut or whatever. Like, yeah. Please retire to the basement. So you know, whatever. Thrown into World War II. Like, yeah. Even World War II would be yeah. incendiary. Yeah. I'm not blonde hair, blue eyed. And yeah. I'm a, I don't know. I'm, I just was raised a Catholic. The, 
Yeah. I don't remember all the rules for World War II, but I don't think I'm going to fit into the scope. I'm going to be honest. Well, I think that's why there's such a, like, part of, part of, I think, what this book is, is also about. And I mean, she kind of alludes to this as well mm-hmm. when she's talking to Rufus and she's kind of taking in where she is and, and what's happening to her, mm-hmm. like, when she finally is able to wrap her head around it. One of the things that she kind of mentions is, you know, like, this isn't just, this isn't just like happenstance, right? There's a reason I'm being sent back mm-hmm. in time. I'm obviously related to these people in some way. There's mm-hmm. ancestry here, right? As she starts asking him questions and he starts talking to her about Alice mm-hmm. and she knows, like she realizes Alice is, is one of her, you know, she's a descendant mm-hmm. of hers. And she's like, wait, what? And she starts to kind of piece things together. Like, I feel like, you know, she thinks about that. Mm-hmm. She's like, how, how, how do I, how do I reconcile this? Everything that I've studied because she talks about like, you know, having learned about slavery and reading, mm-hmm. you know, about slavery and things like that. So she's an educated person. And even with that education, she still has no idea the reality that faces her, mm-hmm. you know, which like to me, I feel like a big like underlying, you know, comment in here, too, is to not ignore history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, you know, just like you said, like if you came back during World War Two, you know, and, you know, you came back like before your ancestors had a chance to like flee mm-hmm. and, and come to America. What would that have meant for you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the same goes for this lady. Like, what is this going to mean for you? And she doesn't really know what she's walking into because all she's read is the same secondhand mm-hmm. accounts. You know what I mean? As everybody else. I think the thing, too, that's interesting to me is it's kind of plays into that storyline of like, don't forget your family. Like, because yeah. this is rufus and alice to her are those members of her family that are so far back in her ancestry that she doesn't know anything about them and Mm -hmm. like to me my great-grandmother is the last one that i know and it's Mm because i met her besides her and like anybody above her in my family history i don't know anything about i don't know their names i don't even i don't actually know my great-grandmother's name Mm -hmm. i know what i called her And I kind of, while I was reading this, thought about what if I got transported back to that? I wouldn't know anybody. Like, I would not have been able to figure out that these people were my ancestors. And I think that that's kind of an interesting thing to think about, too, is, like, we're at a point in our history, too, where not only are we not really learning this in school much, but we don't know anything about the family members that lived through it. And I think that's horrifying. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, especially because like their reality was so different than the one that we live in. Right. Like the mm-hmm. struggles that we experience today are like baby poop mm-hmm. compared to like the drama or the you know expectation or the horror mm-hmm. that they experienced. And, you know, for her, too, I think like and this is something that's difficult for 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 black Americans. Like I remember being in school and having a family having to make a family tree mm-hmm. once for a class. We were talking about genealogy. And my grandmother on my father's side, uh, her sister was a genealogist. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of started out as an amateur and then went to college when she realized that was something she was interested in. So mm-hmm. she actually has like exhaustive records of our family on my grandmother's side. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able, my, me and my mom were able to make a family tree, but mostly with like her side of the family and then like a couple of branches from my mom's side of like what she knew because mm-hmm. my mom you know, was also like in and out of foster care, like Mm -hmm. her parents couldn't take care of her. So there's a lot of history she's missing Mm -hmm. just by way of her existence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember like seeing slave charters, like there are actual slave charters that my grandmother's sister, like my great aunt Mm -hmm. um, 
what had access to mm-hmm. and seeing like the name Coleman, for example, I know anyone named Coleman is somebody that probably shared a relationship with, you know, my grandmother. So fast forward to, you know, like last year, maybe earlier this year, I can't remember when mm-hmm. it was, but um, definitely within the last, you know, 12 months. And um, I was talking to someone, I was in a meeting full of people mm-hmm. with a client and um, I was brand new to this account. Mm-hmm. And somebody had said something about uh, needing a more diverse pool of people to pull from to do like a spotlight for whatever the thing was. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the one of the white guys on the call said that because um, they were trying to find someone who was like wealthy and educated to kind of show like, you know, get more people like them to buy into mm-hmm. whatever it was. And uh, he was like, oh, well, what about this one lady? She's a threefer everybody was like, oh, and he was like, yeah, you know, she's she's black and she's wealthy and she's educated. So she's a three for she's like all three of what we need. So basically minimizing this woman mm-hmm. to a one off term that has nothing to do with her personhood. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was really gross. Mm-hmm. So I was trying really hard to just keep my face neutral until someone else on the call pointed out that her last name was Cromwell. They're like, oh, wow, Cromwell. That's a nice English name. And in my head, I'm like. How is no one considering mm-hmm. why this woman has a nice English name? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like growing up as a kid, my last name is a very Irish sounding last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would never know that I was not going to be a red haired girl with freckles when I show mm-hmm. up to a job interview. You think that you're definitely going to get a super Irish girl. Um, and I am Irish. Mm-hmm. I've got Irish people in my family, but I'm not, I don't look Irish. And when someone tells me I can't wear a, you know, kiss me, I'm Irish shirt on St. Patty's Day mm-hmm. or tells my brother he can't wear his, you know, everyone loves an Italian boy shirt with Mario on it, mm-hmm. even though he's Italian mm-hmm. because his dad is Italian. Um, it immediately makes you wonder, like, why aren't you a little bit more self-aware? Like, you don't know why that person's last name is what it is. Maybe their dad gave them that last name or maybe an ancestor was mistreated and poorly handled while they were under ownership. Mm-hmm. of the same person who had that last name and now that's what you're left with mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's very hard to kind of understand that and this isn't just for black people this is for pretty much anybody because like immigration also wasn't easy you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of horror stories that happened there as well and you know history is brutal which is why we should remember it and respect it mm-hmm. for what it is so we don't repeat it but you know i think that thinking about like our ancestors and what they went through like you know you have to imagine what their story also is. Like I'm a fairer skinned person. Mm-hmm. I'm a fairer skinned person because people owned slaves in my family and they were mixed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because someone was so in love. It isn't because somebody, you know, fell in love at first sight and they happened to be black and their partner happened to be white and they like rode off into yeah. the sunset. Like, no, someone was taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And that's why I look the way that I look. And like, even dealing with that, even that knowledge is so heavy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's heavy to have to like inspect that part of your ID you know, and realize that that's like a bit of data, like you are a product of that, mm-hmm. like that's brutal. So I imagine for Dana as somebody who is coming from this, like this interracial relationship and then having to deal with like this extremely ugly point in white history, mm-hmm. as well as black history of having to deal with, you know, people that that will treat you as less than human simply because your skin is a different color mm-hmm. um, or will use you for everything you've got for that same reason like Mm -hmm. it's hard to reconcile that you know she already kind of starts looking like the second she gets back she starts to kind of look at kevin a little differently because how can she not yeah 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not bad. Yeah. It's a lot, but I love yeah. it. I know. I was I will say though, like the one thing I do know about my great grandmother, she was sent over to America by herself. They only had enough money to send she had two she was one of I think seven kids. Mm-hmm. And they only she was the youngest. And she had two brothers already in America, but they only had enough money to send one person and they sent her. She had to make that entire trip, the entire journey by herself to find her brothers too. And I'm like, I can't even imagine going through that. In this gigantic place. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Like, And then on top of that, not only does she have to find her brothers, but like, she's got to figure out the language. Mm-hmm. She's got to figure out where she is. This is not a small place. America is gigantic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you've got like, an understanding of maybe where to go and that's it like there's no phone book yep there's no gps there's no nothing and then like i can't even imagine what kind of pressure she must have felt too Mm -hmm. like you're this monolith for your family they're like sending you with the last money they have because Mm -hmm. like you're the next great thing and you're their hope and like you're carrying that around when you land in america and you're like (laughs) i can't even imagine that the only good thing is is that for some reason all the slovakians went to gary indiana which is weird because I found out my friends. Okay. So like weirdly, I found out my friends were Slovakian, but they mm-hmm. happened to mention that they're from like their grandparents were, and like a lot of their families from Gary, Indiana. And mm. I was like, that, that is not a common place. Yeah. And that's how I found out they were also Slovakian came around in the same time. Wow. Yeah. So not that's so interesting. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying though. There's so much value in that you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's something that more people should know about themselves and about their families and like i feel like that stuff's getting kind of lost and like it's it's hard because again like i mean obviously i don't i'm not saying that i expect to be teleported back to my ancestral time mm-hmm. anytime soon but you know it, it yeah seriously <laughs> but like it helps it helps to have some kind of context mm-hmm. you know what i mean for who you are and what to expect Um, And there are a lot of people who don't have that. Like, again, my mom doesn't really have any of that. My mom doesn't really know her family because she was put up for foster care. Like, she knows her immediate family. Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, you know, great aunt, great uncle, where she comes from, I think she has, like, one picture of her great, great aunt, I think. Mm -hmm. And what's wild is that she looks exactly like my mom. Really? Like, much like how Dana bears more than a passing resemblance to somebody that lives Mm-hmm. you know on the on the Wayland plantation mm-hmm. my mom like my mom was like can you like look at this picture and she showed it to me and it was like you know those you know those like old-timey photo sessions you can mm-hmm. do at, like fairs and stuff and cruises yeah where you like dress up so it looked like my mom had done one of those and like taken a picture like in an old dress in like sepia color or something like oh that's so weird it was super weird man she just had she just had hazel eyes that's the only difference but she looks just like my mother wow yeah it's bizarre i always think it's really interesting when people have like really dominant like facial features yeah because it always throws me for a loop because i don't think i look anything like my siblings i have found out recently that we make a lot of the same faces much like um rufus and tom Mm -hmm. that's basically how people know that we're all related or they see both my parents in one social setting but if you Mm -hmm. look through my family history we don't look like anybody and i don't know why it's really Mm -hmm. weird Anyways, back to the book. Yes. So my next note is, this fucking kid is the worst. (laughs) Real talk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Apparently, he burned down a stable previous to this moment because his dad sold a horse he liked. Yep. Immediate contrast to, like, well, it's a, technically a flash forward. This kid's, like, crying about how his dad sold a horse. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Sarah that we meet mm-hmm. in, a, you know, a couple of more a couple more pages. Like, he sold her children. Yeah. And she didn't, she didn't burn his house down, so. Should have. I mean, right? Missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're like, this kid has like a general fear of his father. Mm -hmm. Whereas like these people who are enslaved have like a visceral fear of his father. And the worst part is just like his dad views that as the same. And I think that's the horrifying part to me. Yep. It's like to him, there's no difference between selling children and selling a horse. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have that lack of that much of a lack of empathy, compassion, or understanding of personhood, mm-hmm. what are you willing to do to that person to make them do what you want them to do mm-hmm. as well? Like there's also implications there. Yeah. That are really awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 We also find out that not only is just Tom Whalen a terrible person, he also beats Rufus with a belt. And I was like, oh. Like not that that's i don't know for me it's like this is already terrible and then add on to it that like he doesn't even protect his own child yeah you know what i mean like i don't know it's just he gets worse and worse and worse and worse like there's no redeeming qualities of tom no you know what i mean like you can't even go like add a but statement you know what i mean like Mm -mm. he's a terrible person but at least he helps this kid there's no buts he's just terrible period full stop i mean the only thing that he really does for his son is allow him to learn other than like obviously roof over his head and clothe him and all the stuff you're supposed to do for your kid but the only thing that he like really does for him Mm -hmm. is is help him learn like that's it yeah that's all he allows i know And, and he gifted him a slave as well to be his friend which like you got to think too like what kind of person are you making Mm -hmm. when the only friends they have are friends that are forced to be friends with them Mm -hmm. probably not going to be a great adult yeah especially because it's like like an important part of like childhood development is getting in fights with your friends so you can Mm -hmm. learn to you know go through the situations as an adult yeah compromise all that yeah Mm -hmm. rufus will never learn that because he's no. not allowed to have friends. Correct. And like the friends that he has have to obey him. Mm-hmm. They're not really friends. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's part of the reason that he relies so heavily on Dana mm-hmm. and trusts her implicitly is because like she's actually his first real friend. Mm-hmm. Like she makes it really clear to him, like, you're not going to call me that mm-hmm. ever again. That's not what I want to be called. Mm-hmm. And he protests. He's like, what? Of course I can call you that. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? I can call you whatever I want. And she's like, no, you can't. Yeah. Like, you know that I'm not from here. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm from somewhere else. Because, like, he can hear every time that she's about to be transported, he gets, like, snippets of that conversation. So he knows that she's coming from a different time and a different place. He sees, you know, he at first he thought she was a man because of the way she was dressed. Mm-hmm. So, like, he knows she's different. And because he knows that she's different, he has reverence and respect for her mm-hmm. um, that he doesn't have for anyone including his family it seems like you know he seems kind of even though he's young he's already jaded Mm -hmm. you know by his existence which is 
a recipe for disaster. You know, you there's a sense of entitlement that he has mm-hmm. um, without having earned anything, but also without being given the opportunity to earn anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something, that's a trend that we're still seeing right now. You know, there's a lot of people out there who believe that their lives are the absolute worst, mm-hmm. you know, and then, they, and then they find out, oh, well, if you were black or if you were Asian mm-hmm. or you were Latin, Latin or Latinx, like mm-hmm. your life would be that much worse. Mm-hmm. And like, Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear like, oh, my suffering is so much smaller than someone else's because it minimizes your experience. But there's a certain amount of priority that you have to understand because, you know, again, like Rufus gets mistreated by his father and we know that his father isn't really the biggest dog. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? We know the house, like when she starts looking around the house, the house isn't in some, you know, rolling estate Mm -hmm. with like, you know, a million bedrooms or something. It's not this huge plantation. So Mm -hmm. like, her like his father is actually kind of you know lower on the totem pole as a man in general you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like he isn't as educated as other men of his stature so you know you when you when you start to kind of like peel back like who tom is and then by proxy who rufus is Mm -hmm. you know i think it becomes really easy to see why he chooses dana as a friend because Mm -hmm. like she doesn't have to Granted, even she does not have a choice. She is forced to go back there. Yeah. So even she really doesn't have a choice to hang out with him or not. She feels obligated. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's the first person who's real with him, mm-hmm. you know, and honest with him about who he is, the role that he plays, the role that she plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time that I think he questions his reality, which is fitting because all it is for her is a questioning of reality. Yeah. yeah. Finally put him in her shoes a little bit, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I also do like that he, as soon as Dana told him, like, you will not call me that, he's like, hey, I don't want you to call me master, but if you don't, my dad will have an issue. And, like, the way right. he's, like, also kind of warning her in that moment, I think is, it already shows growth. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it would have been very easy for him to be like, okay, and then let her encounter the consequences right you know absolutely so i think it's interesting to see how quickly rufus adjusts and i think that that's really nice and like the thing too that i like is even though like he seems to get like this i don't think he realizes that they are forced to be his friends he actually Mm -hmm. considers them to be his friends right and i think that that's really interesting because it then kind of shifts them in his mind. Like how he views them is he like, while there is different levels of like, there's like a power play there inherently. Mm-hmm. He in his mind kind of still puts them almost on the same level. And I think yeah. that that's interesting. It's like yeah. to th- him, these are just words like them calling him master is not inherently like he's higher above them. Right. And I think that that's interesting and I am interested to see how that develops as well. Agree. And I, I think that, you know, that again, I think that like this was not written for this time, for the time that we're in right now, but it's still mm-hmm. very relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot, like even what we're seeing with the cultural shift in our country of pe- more people being okay with talking about race or talking mm-hmm. about our differences or talking about, you know, sexism or what have you, all these societal ills. Mm-hmm. I think that it, um, so, so Dana, Dana coming to Rufus as a child Mm -hmm. and then 
seeing him grow up, which like we assume that that's what's going to happen since like mm-hmm. three years have already passed since the first time that she saved him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when people are the most open. Mm. That's when they haven't really decided how the world is going to be or how how they believe the world works. Mm-hmm. So compared to like, you know, me as an adult trying to change the mind of a 60 year old white man who's only known one thing his entire life. Yeah. He's only he's only known his own experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like me trying to explain how my experience is compared to him. That's difficult. You know, like even like in a professional setting, like a lot of my bosses, you know, were young, were once the young, you know, newcomer, the young rookie, mm-hmm. you know, on the team. And they had someone take them under their wing because, oh, I remind you remind me of myself when I was a young man. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't remind any of them of themselves. Yeah. So it's going to take a lot more for them to involve me and bring me into circles. They're Mm going to have to be aware of that. It's going to have to be on their radar, but they're not, it's not on their radar because again, they didn't, they've never had to think about it that way before. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is exactly what happened to them. Mm -hmm. They're just repeating, you know, they're kind of, you know, doing what is right to them Mm -hmm. because, you know, that's what was shown. That's the, that's the chance that they were given. That was, you know, what they were shown and they're not thinking about how much more difficult it might be for somebody who is not like them mm-hmm. to be welcomed into their circles you know what i mean mm-hmm. so when you s- try to say to someone hey this is weird hey this is uncomfortable hey this is different hey this is you know racist mm-hmm. or whatever that's not something they understand because to them this is just the status quo to them this is just their life mm-hmm. this is just the way things are and like rufus very much accepts well this is just the way things are he doesn't really think to question any of it. Mm-hmm. Like his 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 way of questioning is to, you know, set things on fire. You know what I mean? To, pr- yeah. to protest and to act out. But it doesn't occur to him to, to have that nuance in there mm-hmm. of acceptance. You know what I mean? Until Dana arrives. Yeah. And like even, you know, like what you were saying about their relationship, even when like, you know, she's like, hey, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like I need to leave. Like I need to, I can't be found in this house. No one knows who I am. Mm-hmm. This is not safe for me. He doesn't doubt her. Like it's it's it is both interesting mm-hmm. and extremely sad. Yeah. That this child understands her and is willing to understand her and is willing to help her mm-hmm. and is willing to give her what she needs so that she can be safe sooner than her own spouse. Yeah. Like her spouse looks at her like she is crazy, like she has six heads, like he doesn't understand anything, even though he's seeing it all with his own eyes mm-hmm. and he's experiencing this alongside her. He still just is like, nope, can't be it. And this boy is like, you're right. You can't be in this house. Mm-hmm. Someone is going to say something to you. Let me sneak you out of here mm-hmm. and get you outside where you'll be safe and you can go and, you know, find a cabin to stay in tonight. Yeah. Like that's nuts that this fucking <laughs> this child in yeah. 18, 19 mm-hmm. has more sense than this man it's a grown-ass man mm-hmm. in 1976 you know yep that's brutal yeah yeah and this also is a trip where he does clarify what time period they're in mm-hmm. and dana's like oh no 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 which is yeah. exactly what my reaction would have been so yeah yeah <laughs> like waking up in a living nightmare yeah because that's literally a horror movie like yeah there's no protection for her at all no no and like especially because she doesn't even know if she's among friends like she knows Mm -hmm. that this one boy is good but she also knows that his parents tried to kill her Mm -hmm. the last time she was here so she's like all right well i assume that i can expect more of the same from them you know like at that moment she doesn't even know how bad it's gonna be Mm -hmm. and the fact that that there's a question mark like 
that's even worse than, you know, when she was sitting in the comfort of her home and wasn't sure, oh, no, am I going to get transported? Now she's there, doesn't know how she can get back, mm -hmm. fully believes that she might be stuck, which yeah. is a realistic and reasonable assumption. You know, yeah, yeah, like totally understand why she would feel that way. And you are personally not safe because of who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that to me, like that's again, this is this is very non-traditional sci-fi. This isn't like, you know, computer science yeah. sci-fi. It's like, you know, time travel plus like historical fiction, but mm -hmm. it's also a little bit of horror to me. Yep. 100%. Like this is a horror novel a mm -hmm. little bit. It's kind of scary. It's like it, it's very scary. Yeah. You know, and I, I I appreciate I mean, Octavia Butler is a master of her craft. She's mm -hmm. great. Um, she is, um, I think arguably the first, um, w most well-known black sci-fi writer, mm -hmm. you know, ever, especially as a woman. Yeah. You know I mean, very few black female sci-fi writers back then, m many more now, Nettie mm -hmm. Okafor, for example, NK Jameson, like they are killing it. Mm -hmm. They're tearing up, you know, the, the genre, but at this time, like it was just this lady. And I think that like, this is so revolutionary, this mm -hmm. book. This is actually um, the first book I've read by her so far. So. Yeah, she's really good. Um, I actually got to meet her. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I met her right before she died, actually. So I went to the Miami Book Fair, mm. and she was signing books. And I had only read Kindred at that mm -hmm. point. I had started Parable of the Sower, but I had never read anything else by her. Mm -hmm. And I was so in love with Kindred because, like, I'm a big sci-fi and horror and fantasy person. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of, like, positive black portrayals um, in those universes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even when there are like brown people they get you know overwritten like you read mm -hmm. the hobbit and hobbits are supposed to be you know have nut brown faces and i'm like oh like me mm -hmm. and then you see the movies and they're white people and you're yeah. like oh i'm confused yeah i haven't read the <laughs> hobbit yet so i honestly didn't know that yeah they yeah. describe them in everything it's it's a little rough when you realize that they've just kind of made them not brown for some reason but um <laughs> so like you know, I think that, I mean, even like, uh, you know, a setting like Game of Thrones, like mm -hmm. that's a, that's an entirely made up world. You'd think there'd be more, more characters of color because they can be, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I'm coming from a background of loving fantasy and loving, you know, sci-fi and horror and just never really seeing anybody who looked like myself. So to have this experience, like see, th see this experience of time travel through the eyes of someone who, you know, shares at least part of an identity with me mm -hmm. um, was huge for me. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like life changing. So yeah. I stood in line for hours and um, I, I, I heard and watched her do a reading. She read from her last book that was ever published called Fledgling, mm -hmm. which is about a black vampire. Oh, nice. And a really, really interesting book. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I waited outside of the of the room it was at miami-dade college mm -hmm. like down in biscayne so i like waited outside of the room for you know 40 minutes for her to like come out and sign books and i had my little copy of kindred and i was ready to buy her new book mm -hmm. and um she signed she autographed the the copy of the new book that i had bought and um i told her like what kindred meant to me and she like stood there and talked to me for like a minute it was awesome wow. it was a great conversation and then i think she died like six months to a year later or something like that so very i was very fortunate to meet her mm -hmm. um i didn't i had never dreamed that i would be able to do so and then her name just like popped up on this list yeah. of, of of authors that were going to be at the book fair and i was like no yeah. way like i geeked out so hard um so like i don't know i i love that we're talking about it too because mm -hmm. i feel like it, it needs to be brought to the next generation of readers mm -hmm. like it's still so relevant you mm -hmm. know it kind of surprises me that it's not more well known like i've mentioned this book to a lot of people and they've never heard of it before and i was like oh i think it's i think it's the subject matter yeah 
I think because it's so frank, like for all the reasons that we really love it and for all the reasons it's terrifying mm-hmm. and a hard read. Um, surprisingly easy to read, mm-hmm. but also hard, like heavy. Yeah. You know? Like very, very beautifully written. Like you just, the pages turn mm-hmm. themselves. But, you know, it's also difficult. And I think that that's why a lot of people haven't read it because mm-hmm. it is, there's no happy, like there's no like, I mean, any happy ending at this point where we are in this book mm-hmm. is relative. Yeah, <laughs> like just this happening alone makes it not a happy book, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, for some people, that's a little too heavy for them. That's like too much for them to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I think that those moments of of discomfort are good because that it reinforces the fact that you are a good person and that you're reading this book as somebody who's an onlooker mm-hmm. and that you are feeling compassion for this main character who is strong and smart and industrious mm-hmm. and hardworking and is no is no no quitter you know she is somebody who you know she finds out this is happening to her and she doesn't just like roll over she Mm -hmm. you know goes forth bravely Mm -hmm. you know bravely as fuck considering the circumstances yeah um so i i do i i agree with you i wish it was more well known because it's such a work of art to Mm me yeah so we find out that apparently one day rufus is going to have a child with a free black woman named alice but apparently, you know, of course, they're both kids right now. So Dana's like, hey, do you know someone named Alice? And he goes, oh, Alice, my best friend. And I'm like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good. And I imagine she's standing there like, Ugh. yeah. What could this mean? I think that's really when the wool gets pulled over your eyes because you're like, oh, you know. They're just, they just happen to be in love. And that's the moment where you're like, oh no, they definitely weren't in love. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. small child is going to grow up to be someone who impregnates a free black woman. And what does yeah. that look like? Yeah. And fingers crossed he was just like ahead of his time. Yeah. But so far that's not our experience, so. Yeah. That's what I'm scared <laughs> yeah. about because like I like Rufus and I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, I think that I think that liking him is part of it because, again, like no one's born evil, mm-hmm. no one's like born racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever. Like that's all learned behavior. You know, someone teaches you that. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, all of a sudden, you know, one morning I woke up and I just was this way. That's not real. So I think because of that, you know, because of that 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 kind of transition that some people go through in life. Um, whether it's against their will or because they, you know, were open to it mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, um, finding out who they used to be is helpful in how to deal with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, even now when I'm having a conversation and someone's very resistant to understanding someone else's point of view or my point of view or whatever, mm-hmm. I try to like think about like where that person is coming from and who they are to say what needs to be said. Yeah. You know what I mean? To get them hopefully to cross that bridge. And I feel like in that moment when Dana finds this out, like, Obviously, her first instinct is, oh, no, what's going to happen? I hope that he's a nice guy. And I feel like her second thought is, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Which is bold. Yeah. I, I know that most people would not have had that thought. They would have been like, how can I protect myself? Yes. Which is fair. It's a fair. It's a, Absolutely. You, know. you can't even be mad. No, I can't. Definitely not. Yeah. No. I mean, this lady, like, especially in a situation where, I mean, what if she dies mm-hmm. in that time period when she's back there like does that mean she doesn't come back Mm -hmm. does her corpse come back Mm -hmm. is it all a dream like what you know what i mean there's no rules yeah and it's no one she can ask yeah yeah that's a nightmare 
So Dana straight up cannot figure out how to get home this time. And that's rough, buddy. Like, so Rufus is like, hey, go to my friend Alice's house. Talk to Alice's mother. She can help you. And mm-hmm. like, honestly, the fact, as we kind of talked about, Rufus knowing enough to get her somewhere safe and yeah. to Alice's mother, who he's like, this is the best person for the job. Mm-hmm. Delightful. So he Rufus sneaks Dan out and directs her over there with like general directions because again mm-hmm. there's no real postings or maps yeah yeah horrifying so you know dana gets to go see her many times great grandmother mm-hmm. just fun uh even the walk through the forest though like even the walk through the forest was like yeah. some blair witch project level stuff yeah for me she had, like, like this lady is here and like creeks and cracks and mm-hmm. bushes rustling and like out there in the Ugh. forest this is like before land was developed like, oh yeah bears sure. and shit you know what i mean there's yeah. all kinds of like things that might kill you mm-hmm. plus like wanderers mm-hmm. as well like not safe and not safe. men yeah not safe yeah no 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 and she doesn't know where she's going mm-hmm. and there's no lights mm-hmm. there's just the moon and some stars yeah which granted very beautiful lovely imagery but would rather have a lantern. Personally. Lovely imagery if I had a cell phone and cell yeah. towers. Um, so she's like making her way and realizing that she's probably making a wrong turn. So even though Rufus was like, hey, don't go near the road. She kind of realizes that she's definitely going to have to follow the mm-hmm. road. Yep. Um, and as she's walking down the road, she hears, uh, you know, horse hooves. And she has to jump and dart into the brush basically because you know it's the dead of night and there's someone coming and she doesn't know if they're friend or foe yeah horrifying nightmarish yeah so (laughs) then she's like oh you know what these people look like they're going on a mission let me figure out where they're going so she like sneakily follows them and they are breaking into this family's home and pulling people out that are naked but they're random dudes are just breaking into this cabin and everyone's naked which i forget that people sleep naked because i don't and yeah i was like oh yeah they were probably asleep that's yeah terrible well so that's the thing like i feel like even that is kind of wild because i mean whatever in modern times i know people who sleep naked Mm -hmm. like i personally don't care about pajamas to bed if i'm gonna be honest yeah um to me it's like an extra outfit you however you have not been living you know alone so yeah. you know what i mean or with your partner for very long yeah so, you know you have to you had to wear clothes in your parents house anyway i'm sure mm-hmm. but like you know these people it's like there's the added layer of they're also impoverished mm-hmm. and one of them is still enslaved yeah so like there there's no pajamas no one owns pajamas i know you know what i mean and like like that's that's something that i absolutely like the book doesn't say that but i agree with you like how they're like calling them out you know nude especially because like that's in front of their daughter as well Mm -hmm. there's also a child living there yeah so like the idea like i've never seen either of my dads naked in my life and i would love to keep it that Mm -hmm. way that's some information i don't need Mm -hmm. um but the idea that this little girl not only sees her dad pulled out of the house naked but then also sees him whipped yeah like at his most vulnerable because like when you're naked like you've got nothing you know what i mean that you're mm-hmm. basically powerless like you've, you've got 
you know, all you have is like your sheer will and yeah. whatever strength that you might be able to muster. And like this man knows he can't fight back because he wants to keep his family safe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like she as she's like laying in that brush and she's like witnessing this confrontation, mm-hmm. like I can't even imagine like her breath must have been like held like just just caught yeah. you know what i mean like you know when she's talking about you know how she's crying like into the dirt mm-hmm. and like she doesn't know these people this isn't this isn't a family she has a connection with or something like that mm-hmm. but like witnessing this is more than enough yeah to get her to a place of empathy and then the thing that like really sat with me is like the realization that even though alice and her mother are free they're not they're still like mm-hmm. people could just break into her home yeah and do what they want and do what they will and she has no rights and that really stuck with me i was like oh oh that's horrifying for me i think like that that harkened back to the studies that i had done um when people talk about like the emancipation proclamation and the freeing of slaves mm-hmm. right um if you do any kind of research or reading, like I did a ton after I watched Hamilton for the first time because I had a lot of very strong feelings about the play mm-hmm. uh, in general. Um, and I was like, you know what? Let me see how real any of this is because I don't remember any of this from, like some of it, some of the broad strokes I remember from history mm-hmm. class, but a lot of this I'm just like, mm, really? So I did a lot of research and I did a deep dive and like Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson uh, did write about being less into slavery right how you know slavery is an ill that they inherited they felt they inherited it from uh from great britain Mm -hmm. right from their overlords Mm -hmm. and part of making this new america was that all men should be free and you know part of that should be the ending of this you know this great evil that 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 they inherited Mm -hmm. from the british Mm -hmm. but the british had already started making moves to end slavery Mm -hmm. right so then you've got Americans who are saying out of one side of their mouth, oh, yeah, slavery is really bad. It's really horrible. It's really atrocious. And out of the other side of their mouth, they're like, yeah, but I still have slaves. And when you yeah. find out why they still have slaves, a lot of them justified it by saying, well, you know, you don't want to just like let people out into the world with nothing. You've got to yeah. give them marketable skills. They can't just work the field. They have to like you have to train them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to have to figure out like a long term plan to get people out of slavery. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's like 1776 they're having that conversation. Slavery wouldn't be over, over until another century. Yeah. You see what I mean? So like, and even then there's like systemic inequity and Mm -hmm. inequality for these people. There's, you know, uh, like you you can't really own land. And if you do, you have to read. And the number of people who could read was very, was purposely small Mm -hmm. so that slaves couldn't run away and you know, like the controlling of, of information and knowledge is something that like we still see today. Mm-hmm. Why isn't school free in this country? Because mm-hmm. people who are wealthy and can afford to send their kids to school don't want poor kids to, uh, to also know the same thing that they know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They don't want them to have the same advantage or else a college education means a little bit less now that everyone can have one, right? Mm-hmm. So you're leveling the playing field in a way that doesn't suit wealthier people, which is why it's not high on their priority list, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you're seeing this happen, like you're seeing this moment kind of go down um with dana and and these these people right like this family and like i'm realizing like you know alice and her mom like no they're not free Mm -hmm. but neither were people that were formerly enslaved Mm -hmm. you see i'm saying like after slavery ended you had sharecroppers right sharecropping is essentially where you know a white guy has a plantation Mm -hmm. and he needs people to work it and slavery is over so he 
talks to somebody whose only marketable skill is working the land Mm -hmm. and tells them, hey, for a dollar a day, you can live on my land and you can work it. You can work my fields. Yeah. But if that person is out to get you, right, which a lot of them were because they resented having to give up their slaves, Mm -hmm. they're not going to pay you any money. Yeah. They're going to pay you a cent a day, 10 Mm -hmm. cents a day. Mm -hmm. So you're already in deficit to them. You already owe them. Mm-hmm. you know just by virtue of living and breathing and being alive mm-hmm. and then sometimes they would salt your field right so that you couldn't pay so if you're having a really good harvest they'd be like oh well that's too good so then they'd mess with you mm-hmm. you know you couldn't own anything you couldn't have property mm-hmm. um your children were somewhere else because they were sold off during slavery and you have no way of finding them you can't reunite your family yeah. so like people don't realize that like there's a lasting like just like just like there are lasting implications for Alice and her parents, right? Mm-hmm. Because her mom is free or whatever. That doesn't mean she can't do whatever she wants. It doesn't mean she's equal. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that she is seen as, you know, worth something. She has no value mm-hmm. to anyone, which is why they still treat her like that and still invade her home. Um, the same thing went for people, you know, during during uh, Reformation when people started to uh, sorry Reconstruction when people uh, started to you know like sit with the fact that slavery was now outlawed and that Mm -hmm. we have to move on as a country and whatever all the way up through jim crow you know you've got you know separate but equal separate but equal Mm -hmm. is the same principle that that lady is dealing with in her cabin that you know someone can kick the door in Mm -hmm. and that's fine but also you're free like that's an illusion yeah that's freedom based on the experiences of a white person rather than freedom for everyone Mm yeah it's it's bad (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I feel like if we, I feel like if there was more conversation about this kind of thing, mm-hmm. like it would be much easier for all of us to come together and unite because everybody would be on the same page about mm-hmm. how heinous this is and how awful it is, and I be know. like, yeah, I feel you. I get why you're, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. But as long as that divide exists, which again, I think that divide exists because the people who are on top, it's easier for them to control everybody when we're fighting amongst each other. You know. Not only did they break into the cabin and whip the man, they also punched Alice's mom in the face for just being there. Yep. And I was like, well, the only good thing about the situation is we find out that this is, in fact, Alice's house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Alice had run in, ran into a bush while this is all happening because she is a small child. Mm-hmm. And they knock Alice's mom unconscious. So she's unconscious on the ground, naked, and they yep. leave with Alice's dad. Yep. So Dana comes out of the woods and she starts helping Alice's mom, like getting cold water, trying to wake her up and, you know, wrapping her in a blanket. And this is where we find out that Tom Whalen owns Alice's dad. And he's trying to make him pick a new wife so he will own all of their kids. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. 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 And then, like, even, like, within that madness, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the first thing that Alice's mom says when, like, when she sees Dana, Dana, like, tells her, like, hey, I'm the person who saved you. Mm-hmm. And I need a place to stay. Her first instinct is to go, don't bring trouble to my house. I have enough problems. Yeah. And like, you can't even be mad at this woman for that. That's fair. Like, you can't even be upset with her. And like, you know, there's this, there's this understanding that Dana immediately has for her, despite not understanding the situation, despite being completely thrust into this without any kind of, you know, 
context Mm -hmm. at all. Like, there's an understanding that she immediately has. But, like, even then the lady is like, I wouldn't have turned you away. So there's still, like, a sisterhood. There's still a bond. There's still a kindness. And, like, I think that, you know, a lot of times, like, you hear, you know, like like you know, like old older you know texts or you know records show that like white people used to say you know savages you know they're 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 beasts they're not men and treating them like they're chattel like chattel is literally like you know your cows your donkeys your mules whatever mm-hmm. right the word mulatto is offensive because it comes from the word mule mm-hmm. right because a mule is you know half donkey and half of a horse mm-hmm. so even then that's like calling somebody an animal like talking about their similarity and relationship to an animal you're talking about you know, dehumanizing them and infantilizing them and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And like, even though that's the reality, you realize very quickly that like the animals are the people who are in charge. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that woman has no reason to open her home to a strange woman Mm -hmm. that's wearing pants. I mean, it's not like she's immune from the what the fuck as well. Like this lady doesn't look like she's from around here you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and she's obviously a stranger like the Mm -hmm. only thing that's like her saving grace is that she looks like this woman yeah but like what does that mean to anybody back then like that doesn't you know it's not like now we're like twinsies like that's not yeah that's not what's happening there you know she's like weird you look like me anyway get off my property you're endangering me and my daughter okay fine you can stay i know that you have you know you're having a hard time like Mm -hmm. that empathy like right away she is willing to like go out on a limb for her Mm -hmm. because she has freedom and because she understands that like what little of a leg up she has Mm -hmm. she needs to use for other people to help them and i think that that's like extraordinary that that realization was was wild especially because the people that accost them aren't even the people who own the slaves no they're just like random patrollers they're just yeah they're like some folk yep from town or whatever like they're just regular so like any at this time if you are a woman especially Mm -hmm. if you are a black woman like any old so-and-so can just like round you up Mm -hmm. and assume that you are not free because that's the thing he even says well i'm free and so is my wife and so is my daughter Mm -hmm. and they believe that the wife and the daughter are free Mm -hmm. they don't believe he's free and they're like where's your paper and he doesn't have a paper so they take him Mm -hmm. so like let's say he misplaced his fucking paper Mm -hmm. i'm a fucking I am, that is me all day. Mm-hmm. I misplace things all the time. Right now, I have a vaccination card that shows that I have been vaccinated. Couldn't tell you where it is. That is who I am as a person. So can you imagine if I got fucking sent back there? I wouldn't have my papers. I, I wouldn't yeah. have anything. I, I would have right? forgotten my purse somewhere and been like, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. No, you won't figure it out. Yeah, Something horrible is going to happen to you before you can figure it out. Yeah. And then we get to the part two where after all this occurs... There's a man waiting outside the house as soon as Dana walks outside for no reason. He's like, what are you doing here? This is not your home, sir. Why are you yeah. here? And then he, who are you? Yeah. And he's just like, Dana has to go run for her life. This random dude's chasing her for no reason. Like he should not have been there. Yeah. So she, and then Dana gets into this huge brawl with this dude yeah. and before the dude gets to do anything more serious and beat her like it was very much implied that he was seconds away from raping her absolutely and she knocks him out thank god and she gets teleported into modern day like poor dana's blood pressure first of all yeah man Ugh. yeah not okay i mean i do like the idea that there's like this symbiosis happening mm-hmm. Like, I feel like in that moment or like in the beginning of the next chapter is when she like realizes that 
you know the key to her serve the key to her survival right mm-hmm. like what's happening is whenever rufus is in trouble mm-hmm. in a big way she gets transported there mm-hmm. and then when she's in trouble she gets transported back yeah but like in a time period like that with the level of volatility that people had and the lack of civilization mm-hmm. that a lot of these you know white slave owners exhibited mm-hmm. what does that mean right like what does being unsafe mean what does that look like? What does, oh, I'm in danger look like? She could have gotten like period. syphilis, right? This is when everything is dangerous. Yeah. Like the bears are dangerous. The food she's eating is dangerous. Yeah. Everything the is. The lack of cleanliness, the lack of washing, like literally, I mean, paper cuts people used to mm-hmm. die from. So like everything is unsafe. So like how, rel- how, how, how reliable mm-hmm. even is that? No, it's not. Like she has this, she has this epiphany, but then like. What does that even mean? Yeah. What does that ladder up to? So there's many Nothing. times in the next chapter when we get to it that like she probably should have been sent home and she wasn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So then as soon as she gets home in this time, Kevin's like, I'm going to bring you to the hospital. Kevin, what's that going to do? Not a single thing. Nothing. But then she finally gets to go to sleep. Doesn't shower again, which I don't blame her for because I definitely wouldn't. No. And... um kevin tied a go go bag to her leg which is honestly the first nice thing he's done yeah to be honest yeah it's the first time that he seems to have actually taken her seriously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then she tells kevin that she's try time traveling and he's still trying to convince her that he's she's hallucinating but like and less like he's less about it now because he did actually give her a go bag right and they packed a knife for her which is nice but like not the most useful no <laughs> to be honest no um but then they have the best idea of this entire book so far and they're like hey what if we just forge free papers for you mm-hmm. which is like yeah you probably you should definitely do that step one step one honestly before the knife was forging free papers in my mind and but they realize they don't know what that looks like so they start trying to like get books from the library Mm -hmm. and dana finally realizes that she needs to have a plan she has to get roadmaps figure out how she can get from where she is to some sort of northern state any north because if she doesn't like her life is on the line Mm -hmm. and they don't know how successfully she will be able to get back to her own time period absolutely traveling alone is extremely risky Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm they keep trying to figure out ways that will get her back to her own time period. And the only thing they can think is that maybe as soon as her life is in danger, she will be sent back home, mm-hmm. but they don't know. And Kevin, while he they're listening to the story, asked if Dana thought he looked like a patroller. And that was like the first time we kind of realized, Oh, Kevin's white. Yep. <sighs> Terrible. Brutal totally terrifying especially because like you know when you have a traumatic incident occur Mm -hmm. right that doesn't look like any one thing Mm -hmm. everybody deals differently right so like there are tons of stories out there of rape and assault survivors that can't be touched Mm -hmm. you know for for a long time after that happens after they you know survive that incident people in car accidents will flinch like when you you know when you like pump your brakes too hard or Mm -hmm. whatever they're like ah you know, like they're like bracing for the impact. Mm-hmm. So like, he's just someone who doesn't think about anybody but himself. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, wh- like your your black partner tells you that they went back in time and were assaulted by a white person, and your first thought is, "Do I look like them?" Yeah. What? What? I can't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, I can't even imagine being in that scenario. No. Like. And that would not be my first question. My first question would be like, are you okay? What do you need me to yeah. do? Yeah. But again, like he's fascinated. And that's so, it's sick and it's twisted that yeah. he is fascinated. But again, I think the reason he's fascinated is because as, again, like, and, and, and you know, you see this a lot, like where, you know, like, like right now, white guys are like, oh, we can't do anything. We can't compliment women and we can't like, you know, talk about our experiences and we can't have feelings and we can't do this no. and that. No, no one is saying that, man. Yeah. You can have as many feelings as you want. We all have feelings. We're people. We're human. Mm-hmm. Have as many feelings as you want. What you can't do is pretend that your life is the worst mm-hmm. when you're the one who makes all the rules. Yeah. And even if you are a blue blue collar, middle class white person, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're undervalued, you're underpaid, you're not recognized, Right. Your life is valid. Your mm-hmm. experiences are valid. However, everybody has privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, I can admit that I have privilege because I'm a lighter skinned person. Mm-hmm. In many in many settings, that gives me privilege. The fact that I'm educated is a privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, however much money I make, that's privilege. Yeah. Over, over you know, over a poor person. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has privilege over somebody else. You know what I mean? In some way. Mm-hmm. And I think that like this is someone who is obviously not examining his privilege, like mm-hmm. your wife is going through something terrible mm-hmm. that she should not be experiencing. And on top of going through this terrible thing, mm-hmm. she's being transported back in time to slavery. Right. So it's not even like, oh, yeah, you're disappearing and you're flashing in and out and like you're going somewhere that's hostile. Mm-hmm. It's like inherently hostile because mm-hmm. of the fact that she's a black woman. And instead of like focusing on the fact that like this woman is 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 in an extreme emergency like extreme emergency Mm -hmm. you're gonna ask her if you look like the man who attacked her like that that is like some next level not giving a shit divorce but yourself right on the spot yeah right on because he he can't imagine again like he's not he's not coming at this like that's the worst thing that could possibly happen Mm -hmm. to you he's coming at this like oh that's interesting wow that's really cool he's not putting himself in her shoes no and he should it's not like she's not empathetic toward him Mm -hmm. she even says like this must be terrible for you Mm -hmm. this must be scary for you like she says that to him Mm -hmm. like you know i she i think at one point she even apologizes yeah for how she for how she's reacting Mm -hmm. like she doesn't have an apology she's freaking out yeah she's She's freaking out a terrible time there is there is no wrong way to experience this crazy shit that she is going through Mm -hmm. And yet he's like, I'm going to impose my questions on you that have nothing to do with you and your experience and are just, you know, cumulative questions that I'm asking just for shits and giggles. Mm -hmm. Just wondering. Just casual. And like, why would you want to put that visual in your partner's head too? Mm -hmm. It's a heaven Kate, a hate podcast now. So Kevin, Kevin hate podcast is what I try to say, but I don't think I said it. Yeah, he's the worst. He's the worst. But that mm-hmm. is all we have time for <laughs> on this episode. I next episode, I have even more things to say. So, hope you guys <laughs> are ready to buckle in for a lot of kindred because there's going to be a lot of kindred. Definitely, as there should for, be for a book that is what not like, very long. I think it's only two hundred and sixty something pages long. Yeah, 
it's, and somehow it's going to be a lot of conversation. It's going to be a lot. Of, there's a lot of heavy <laughs> topics. So grab yeah. your weighted blanket and buckle in, everyone. Yep. Get a snack that mm-hmm. makes you feel safe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And always remember, take care of yourself first. This podcast will be here when you're ready for it. But we will catch you guys later. Candice, if all the people on the internet want to find you, do you have anything you want to share so they can find you? Absolutely. Uh, if you guys are interested in learning more about me or seeing me do cool stuff, um, I am uh, actually in a uh, in the cast of Valor Studios tabletop role playing game called Deadlands. It is a weird west adventure. So basically think uh, cowboys and zombies. You can find me um, on their Twitch, Valor Studios, V-A-L-O-R-E. So like lore. Um, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, the episodes also go up on YouTube on Fridays, uh, usually around 4 or 5 Eastern. Um, and then if you just want to kind of, you know, hang out with me a little bit, um, you can find me on YouTube and Instagram at Candace the Magnificent. That's Candace with an A, um, all one word. Um, I do uh, some reviews of, you know, nerdy stuff like, again, tabletop role playing, Dungeons and Dragons, cards, you know, things like that. But I also am about to launch some interesting ice cream reviews as well. So if you're interested in hearing what I think about that, that's where you can find me. Plus, they get to see your lovely face. Thanks. Hey, don't get that in audio mediums. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and um, at that Candace girl on Twitter, if you want to know what's lurking in the darkest corners of my brain. As as we all should, truly. <laughs> but yeah, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Uh, and we will be continuing on with our lovely conversation. So we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Kindred. Uh, Next week, we will be continuing on with even more Kindred. Um, And if you want to find me and all that great behind-the-scenes content, I am at Barely Bookish on literally everything. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok. I'm more active on TikTok and Instagram. Twitter confuses me. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, You know. And I'm also on Twitch. And right now, I'm going through uh, Hades. I'm going to try and do some writing sprints um, and I'm probably going to do Overcooked again because I really like that game. So if you like video games, because we're all multifaceted people and we don't just have to have one hobby, please consider checking me out over on Twitch. Also, please consider joining the Patreon. Uh, It's now all donation based. You can join for as low as $3 a month and get access to those bonus episodes, as well as get early access to every single episode. So every month, uh, there is a bonus episode that goes up the first Friday of every month. Um, I think right now there's about eight months worth of content so far, I think. And then you also get early access to episodes. So those will come out on Monday instead of coming out on Wednesday. So if you're binging through these and you really want to hear more, please consider subscribing over on Patreon. Um, You can join any level of tier because it is just donation-based. But yeah, that's kind of all I've got for you all. Thank you all so much for listening. Our theme song was created by Raphael Crux. Our logo was designed by my little sibling, Sarah. And I will catch you guys later. Bye!